is a bit of a shame is that when people do lie about how they achieve their results and then do almost sell their soul to the devil in the sense where they will lie to push these silly programs and these silly movements that sell a dream but haven't disclosed that you know genetically had a really good shape anyway and i did i worked i resistance trained for three years before going to these workouts and also in some cases maybe i've had enhancements Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Vegan Body Coach Podcast. That was Harry Moore. And on today's show, we rip into the world of social media and specifically why your favorite influencers uh, may not be providing you with the most accurate information and how social media can lead to skewed perceptions of what's actually attainable when it comes to your own fitness journey. And of course, we provide some tips, some clear, actionable takeaways on how to curate your online experience to enhance your fitness lifestyle and not take away from it. But before we get carried away here, if you're new to the pod, my name is Jackson Burden. I'm a personal trainer, nutritionist, and gym owner here in Auckland, New Zealand. And this show centers on bringing vegans and plant-focused eaters evidence-based information on training, nutrition, and overall health and well-being. Go ahead and listen to this episode, and if you like it, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you keep up to date with the rest of the episodes coming out for Season 3. Okay, I'm going to keep this one short. It's time to jump in. I have to be up front and say that this was a pleasure to record. I get to converse with a huge variety of people on this platform, uh, but sometimes you just get to have a yarn with someone who you instantly connect with, and uh, this conversation with Harry is a winner. So let's dive in. This is episode 43 with Harry Moore. Alrighty, so Harold, first of all, welcome to the show, man. And um, I wanted to kick this one off, um, first of all, by just giving a little bit of context to our listeners as to kind of why I have you on this podcast in the first place. Okay. Um, and so for context sake, I came across your videos on YouTube. I have no idea how. They just popped up or, or whatever whatever the case may be there. And um, the algorithm worked in your favor, I should say. And uh, one of your videos popped up and I started looking into some of your content and I found it really refreshing in the way that you approach, uh, I guess, kind of bringing out some information or some perspectives on fitness uh, and debunking some of the, the myths or maybe misconceptions that are quite often found in especially the social media space and kind of with fitness influences and what you're seeing on on TikTok and Instagram and these types of things where people can get very, very confused and misled by um, hopefully well-meaning individuals. But generally when there's when there's other other aspects in play such as income from from ads or from products or whatever it may be. Um, and when there's you know, likes on the line and followers on the line, people tend to post stuff that's often a little bit more flashy, a little jazzy, and they want people to to click on that stuff. And it doesn't often um, end up being evidence-based or put people in the right direction. So I found your stuff and um, thought it was really refreshing. And I wanted to bring you on and chat a little more around this whole topic um, so that maybe we can provide some, some insight to our listeners around what to look for online and what to, I guess, be aware of that might be um, could be detrimental to their their own fitness journeys. 
Um, so with all that ramble aside, where did things start for you, mate? Where did where did the whole getting into fitness and all that jazz come in for you? Um, well, firstly, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate the kind words about the channel. That does mean a lot to me. It's interesting that the YouTube algorithm does sometimes push my content to people. I still find that quite weird. Yeah. Um, like weird. Um, so I appreciate that a lot. Uh, regarding, I guess, my intro into fitness, God, when did it start? So I kind of got into like the, the gym environment when I was about 16 years old. And that was very much down the line of uh, my dad at the time was very much into fitness and everyone at school, I went to an all boys school and everyone's go to was there like, you know what, school's finishing, we're going to go into a uh, sick form. So like uh, the Americans, yep. refer to that. I, I guess they're still part of high school for them, but we call it like college before university. Yep. And, um, and I'm not sure in New Zealand, if it's called anything different, would you call it college or sick form or? Yeah, we we know we have a very similar system to you guys in the UK, bro. So, um, yeah, we 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 have a couple of we have like like I guess at age most people's age sixteen, seventeen. There's probably like two more years of school, so there's like a sixth form, seventh form, but they they call it different um, terms now. But yeah, it's a bit very similar to the UK, mate. Okay, so I did that, and then uh, everyone's go to was so like, you know, what, let's get really big before we start, like. Big school, and, <laughs> yeah, I um, get you. And I was, and see, the go-to was like, you know, why not? It's easy. And my idea was, I'll train over summer and come back and start a new school and be absolutely massive. Uh, it wasn't that easy, unfortunately. I wish it was. And I think like that kind of is how it all started. And the initial kind of idea, I think, for a lot of young young boys at that time, is maybe I'll appeal to more women and maybe I'll be cool if I'm bigger. Yeah, and then the majority of my friends kind of fell off the wagon. They kind of stuck with it for six months to a year. And I, I've probably one of the, the only ones that just carried on with it. And that's where it all started, really. Just me yeah. trying to impress people and not feel so insecure about how skinny I was when I was going into a new school, basically. Yeah, 100%. I think there's, there's, there's a lot of guys getting to the gym for that, that exact reason is just to it's just to have some level of um it's, it's really it's less intrinsic and more extrinsic motivation it's like mm. i want to look good for other people um yeah. which you know as we can probably discuss is probably uh not the best approach long term <laughs> for any kind of fitness endeavor uh but it generally gets a lot of young guys um in the gym and i know for myself as well when when i started training it was it was more so to to change my body a little bit, but I was also training because I was about to join the army here in New Zealand, oh, and cool. I was like, okay, I need to, I need to, you know, get, get fit, get some muscle, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But you know, a few years into the army, I wasn't training anymore. But then, it when I started really training in the gym proper for you know body composition and kind of doing some more bodybuilding style training, um, that was more so in relation to yeah, I want to, I want to look jacked i want to look ripped whatever um wasn't necessarily happy with my physique with the with the shirt off at the beach type thing so it was all that kind of idea and i think that does get a lot of a lot of guys into this gym initially how did the um the journey for you go from there so you've obviously been training for a little while mm-hmm. by this point um did you spend a lot of that journey doing you know, training that is a little more hypertrophy based bodybuilding based or um did you go into any other areas um, well, it's a weird one. I kind of started just not really training for anything, just kind of just winging it, basically. I had to go to the gym and bench press and hope for the best. And um, that's really as far as it got. But it kind of like eventually, once I kind of got into the routine of like, you know, I actually enjoy this. this, this makes me feel good. And it was no longer just about trying to kind of mask the insecurity. It was more about I'm doing this because I actually just enjoy being in this environment. I kind of started looking for other avenues. And then initially I actually got into 
show me how old it was. It's probably about just over a year into my training like career. I got into MMA. So I did oh, cool. uh, mixed martial arts for a few years. Uh, did that until, I want to say, till just turning 20. And was there like, you know, this is really fun. But I feel like because I'm isolated to looking a certain way and performing a certain way, I felt like I couldn't really expand beyond that. Mm-hmm. And resistance training was always my kind of desire and my goal. And it's just the thing I've really enjoyed. Like, obviously, I like the MMA training, but I've really just enjoyed the gym. And that kind of led me to like finally make the decision to actually start trying to gain weight. I'd eaten mm-hmm. the same 2,000 calories for three three odd years at this point and obviously hadn't really gained much weight. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to look into something else. So then I, I realized that I, I wasn't too weak. I was relatively strong for my weight. I figured, you know, I'll, I'll try powerlifting. Let's give that a go. And that, that, that's when it kind of all started. I kind of did tickle with a bit of bodybuilding beforehand. I had this idea that I'd be Mr. Olympia, then realized it's probably not realistic. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, you know what, I'll probably stick to bench pressing because I'm all right with that. Yeah. Uh, went into powerlifting, did that for a few years. Um, and then for a lot of personal reasons, I decided it's probably not best for me to continue that journey, just for a lot of like, mental health reasons and also okay. injuries. I had a lot of nasty injuries from it. And then I was like, you know what? bodybuilding it is i kind of made the shift back to bodybuilding a few years ago and i've kind of stuck with that ever since and that's kind of like the uh, uh the the kind of prize that the the eyes are on currently yeah yeah no that's awesome and i think from my understanding just from watching some of your videos you um have a master's in psychology is that correct yes indeed indeed um uh undergrad in business and a master's in psychology cool so that's i mean that's a really cool um I guess a, a, another perspective that you have on kind of the fitness industry is from a you know a psychology perspective as well, which I really value. The idea of like you know approaching things from a mental health standpoint and kind of looking at some of the the things that are going around online and going, well, is this is this detrimental? Is this helpful in terms of a, a mental health perspective? And I think for me and for a lot of people, when it comes to social media, comparison is a huge huge component of social media. Um, and you know, I do want to, you know, later in the combo, we can jump into some, maybe some, uh, different methods or strategies people can use to, um, reduce some of that comparison tendencies that we, that we have on social media, um, and, and dive into that a little bit more. But I guess to, to kick this thing off and to talk specifically about social media, um, you know, what were some of your initial views of the content online i mean i don't know when you got online yourself and when you started posting stuff but what were some of your initial views of like what people were posting and, and whether it was valid or not i think it's when i kind of first kind of got into the like the social media space not necessarily from like a posting perspective but just from like a consumption perspective i thought whatever you said online was true i had no reason to doubt it i had no reason to believe that you were lying and that kind of led me down a lot of the the fitness traps i try and almost call out now because I've fallen victim to so many of them and I spent so much money, so much time and wasted so many years doing silly things essentially just to achieve something that just wasn't realistic. But it's only when I started kind of making those mistakes, I started identifying that, wow, not everyone online is telling you the truth. And that was almost like um, a bit of a reality check in the sense I had this idea of these influencers that had no idea who I was, but they're people I'd seen online, um, like people like Jeff Side, for example, one of the first ones I followed. And I was thinking, wow, why, why would he lie? And then you realize that, like you said earlier, at the start of the podcast, with the money involvement, things like that. And I was like, now it makes sense. And it, it's, it was disheartening for me because it was almost like, 
I don't want to say like you idolize these people, but honestly, to an extent, like your heroes and you find out aren't necessarily telling the truth. And mm. you're like, wow, if they're not telling the truth, I wonder who else isn't telling the truth. Or sometimes it's even, not even a question of telling the truth. Sometimes it's they actually genuinely don't know better. Mm. And that kind of, I think, puts a mask over the idea, especially in the PT industry, that if you look good, you must know what you're talking about. Yeah. When, because if, immediately when you go to a PT, you're going to go to the person more often than not that looks the best in your eyes, it's most aesthetically pleasing or the most relevant to your sport perhaps, doesn't mean they know the most. And that, that's when it kind of hit me. But then I started posting myself online back in, when did the, I think YouTube started back in 2016. And I was like, wow, there is so much misinformation on this platform. Like I, I was, I almost struggled to find the the good information because it was consumed by misinformation, and that that's when that kind of like reality check really hit home. I was like, it's not just the people I looked up to who are doing this; it's it's a lot of just the people in general that are doing this, and mm. I found that quite almost demotivating, but it was really disheartening, and left not like a sour taste in my mouth, but it left me feeling like almost a little bit upset and yeah. just disappointed, you know. Hundred percent, yeah. One of the, I mean, I was lucky enough to, when when sort of Instagram started kicking off, to kind of come across some people that were somewhat uh, evidence based quite early on. So I, you know, I mean, this was this was kind of early days of like YouTube fitness when guys like Matt Ogus were huge yeah, and Chris it. Jones were huge, and and that was yeah. a huge like scene. But those guys, you know, they were gaining some big followings but they were still promoting some pretty decent content and they were you know they were kind of leading the charge on this kind of transition from like bro clean eating to like more if it fits your macro style flexible dieting style which wasn't generally a a trend in the right direction of course there's um there's issues with with those as well but um i was lucky enough to kind of come across those guys and then from there start to dive a little deeper into well, where are these guys getting the information from and then you start to find you know other um other people in the industry that are uh, practitioners experts researchers that are um evidence-based and going to provide some really good information but i didn't ever really get too caught up i mean i did follow a few people here and there but with these these huge fitness names that were promoting well that were just getting massive amounts of followers um and as you're saying they don't always have your best intentions um at heart when they're posting something because they're basically running a business at the end of the day um and and nowadays it's just blowing up i mean i don't follow i'm very very uh particular about who i follow on on instagram and i don't actually really use the platform for anything other than posting uh, my own educational content uh but I know that there is a lot of people following a lot of big names and I wanted to dovetail or, or almost revert back to what you mentioned before um you know, around this idea that people gravitate towards the person with the best physique. And yeah. with social media, it's so, so easy for someone with an incredible physique to just blow up their numbers in terms of followers, not not because of their uh, their information or their level of intelligence on a specific topic, but purely because of the way they look. And we have to be very mindful that the way someone looks isn't just purely because of their um, intelligent training or their, their nutritional interventions. There is a huge genetic component to a lot of this. And I find that people get so caught up following these huge names with these incredible physiques and they try to copy what they do. 
And it's almost, in my opinion, it's very misguided because, you know, these people are, you know, because of social media's massive pull, like back in the day, right? Say you were in like the 60s. The only people you're going to see generally are people on TV or people in your town, you know, and this, I mean, this could be said for any time in like the 20th century, right? Uh, up until social media, really. And, uh, you know, so generally you're going to see some pretty cool physiques, but now with the huge pool of access to different people around the world, you're just bombarded with the best genetic pools of the human race on Instagram. And uh, they just kind of draw in these hundreds of thousands of millions of people to follow them. Um, and that kind of these people that uh, they would probably get a really, really decent physique um, kind of in spite of what they do, like not because of what yeah. they do. You know what I mean? Um, do you have any thoughts on that sort of things, man, in terms of like this, this, this idea that, these, these a lot of these people um they've been they've drawn in a lot of followers due to their physiques but not so much due to their maybe their um information or, or what they're providing to their followers it kind of goes back to what you mentioned there about these kind of like social media isolating the genetic elites and you're only being exposed to those elites i guess the argument you, the, the, what you present is you see these people online like you mentioned who just look unreal the absolute massive guys, women in incredible shape, whatever it may be. How many times have you ever actually seen someone look like that in real life in your own gym? Probably very rare, very rare. I've rarely seen a guy where I've been like, wow, like that is something else. The only time I've ever really done this is when I went to a girls gym in Venice beach, where I saw all the people that I'd see online in person. Yeah. And in all honesty, a lot of times there, it, for no disrespect, but social media is a highlight reel. You show the best bits of you. And in person, oftentimes you're like, well, you look different in person. You're you're maybe not as big in person because obviously you get some good angles. There's only one time I've ever seen a human that's I've never encountered on social media before where I've looked at it and been like, "You are not normal. That is something else." <laughs> I yeah. saw. You know, I don't know how familiar you are with bodybuilding. There's a Dexter Jackson who was the 2008 uh-huh. Mr. Olympia went up to this guy and asked him for a picture. He oh was wow! Just, he was <laughs> the, cool. honestly the biggest human I've ever seen in my life, and I was just in disbelief. I just stared at him. Yeah. And was like, "Well, what yeah. are you?" Um, this was at Venice. Yeah, yeah, girls gym back in this is back yeah. in 2015. Yeah. And that's obviously the, I think, the mecca that Yeah, I think if anyone is is going into in, LA, they always want to pop into the Mecca, you know, and check it yeah. out. And I remember going there. I went there in 20 I did an American trip in 2018, like purely love to it. go to gyms and, and run yeah, a trip around it. gyms. Um but I went to the Mecca and I, I was a little bit let down in a way. Like it was kind of like 100%. you get there with this big expectations. And um, it ends up just being a couple of big warehouses just full of machines and just, uh, and it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't have a great vibe in my opinion. Like I'm all no. about like gym atmosphere. Um, and I don't, I don't, I mean, it was a cool experience, of course. You, know, you get to see some of the, uh, some of the freaks in the business, but you know, um, I think almost if they were to like replicate a like, late 1960s era goals gym i'd be i'd be much more uh, uh likely to go and check that out <laughs> well see, i guess have you ever seen poppy iron you know with yeah of course yeah yeah of course yeah, of course and it, you look at that they go in and everyone knows each other and yeah. you look at it it's like one one environment everyone goes in to hug each other they're they're training with each other i doubt there's a single person there that didn't know everyone else in that gym and you're like well, that's such a great atmosphere and they look like, yeah. like the thing then is they look like they're having genuine fun 
like they just look like they genuinely just want to be there, not just to train, but just to be with their friends. That's so good. And then you so go true, to them, yeah. like I said, I had the same experience with you. I got to Gold's Gym and I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I grew up <laughs> watching Pumpy Iron. Yeah. Like, when I was six years old, I was watching Pumpy Iron. I had no interest in bodybuilding, but Arnie was my hero. I used to watch all his movies. Every weekend I'd watch an Arnie movie. I had all of them on DVD. Wow. And I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm, this is where <laughs> this is where it all started. I walked in, I was just horrendously underwhelmed. Yeah. I was like, it was so busy. It yep. was. It sounds really stupid, but it was almost neglected in the sense that it was almost a tourist attraction at this point. And they're yeah. like, "Oh, you want a day pass? It's a horrendous amount of money. If you want to buy, if, if you live in LA, the membership was fifty dollars a month. If you can't prove you're an LA resident, it was three hundred. Just oh, small wow. things like that. And I was like, yeah. "Well, calf buys on this, aren't you?" And I was like, <laughs> And then, then I then I saw Arnie the first day I walked in. Oh, you kidding? Right in front of me, and I was like, "This is this is the best day of my life." I was like, "This is my hero," and I went up to him and asked him for a picture, and um, he kind of ignored me. And then his bouncer, his like bodyguard, uh, just told me to come back later. I was like, "Oh, oh okay. wow!" Yeah. And then then he left, and then I saw him about four times. And on the last time, I, I was with my dad's best man, who who we just met out there, um, and uh, we we were watching Pompey Line together after my parents' divorce because my dad used to live with him. And uh, I said, like, Arnie's here. This is, like, we've been idolizing him for 15 years since I've known you. This is the one. We just went up to him, asked him for a picture. And uh, his only response was, be quick. I was like, oh. Oh, wow. Uh, and I felt like, I know I know he's busy. Let's be honest. He's a busy guy. He's oh, of course. He had loads of people around him. But I, I dreamt of this day for 15 years or something. And I was a bit yeah. like, oh. Okay, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll try. I, I kind of feel like I feel like in that situation, if you're Arnold and you're choosing to train in one of the busiest gyms in LA in a public environment, yeah. and you're as famous as Arnie is, um, and with such a reputation, like if you're gonna be training there, you better be ready to take a shit ton of photos. Like, yeah. if if you don't want that, why would why would you? Wouldn't you just train in your own home environment? Like, I don't quite yeah. understand that <laughs> personally. Well you, well, you know we can afford it. He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, so exactly. it is always a, an interesting one. But it kind of like. I think going back to the, the what you originally said about the social media pushing like the genetic elites and stuff, I think the the sad reality with it is, like I said, you see all these people in person and you realize that they don't look quite how they look online. And that almost brings into a, like, another issue within the industry, which I then was finally presented with, is that Photoshop and image manipulation is, is a thing. And I, I never considered it to be a thing beforehand. And then when, when I, whenever someone said Photoshop, I thought you would put a picture of me on the moon and make me look like I land on the moon or something. That That's yeah. my idea of Photoshop, not like make my arms bigger, make this bigger. And you realize it actually, maybe not all the time, but it, it happens. And then you start mm. observing it. Then you start seeing these people in real life and be like, you, you, you're a different shape in person. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. And it's almost what? sad. Sorry, after you. No, you go for it, man. Keep going. No, I'll say it's just almost sad because it just... I think it leaves a bit of a sour taste in your mouth, not for the fact that it's almost like you feel bad for the individual that they feel like they, they need to do that, that they have to manipulate their image. But to some extent, you kind of understand this when your life is essentially dictated by how you look and your your online appearance is being assessed every day by thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. There's obviously going to be a lot of pressure to look your best all the time. But then you almost leave it feeling a bit salty as well, saying, well, I feel a bit lied to. Hundred mm, percent. So, with a lot of these these influences, like maybe you know, if they are 
photoshopping or, or whatever. I mean, like you said, even even if they're not photoshopping, just the the idea of Instagram being a highlight reel, you know, you're going to yeah. take, you know, 50 photos and you're going to post that one that had that perfect lighting and the perfect angle. Which, which and, I'll be guilty of as well. Great. I'll be guilty of that. 100%. Well. Yeah. And, and that's and that's just the nature. I mean, you you only naturally want to put your best your best stuff out for people to see, right? Because you, yeah. you value other people's opinions is what it comes yeah, back absolutely. to, I guess. Um, like how would you, I guess, how would you help people to have a better understanding or maybe a better lens to kind of decipher who is worth following and who is maybe someone that they could, they could potentially, um, get off their feed? It sounds, it sounds a bit stupid, but I actually unfollowed every influencer that I ever used to follow. I don't follow a Mm. single influencer anymore on my Instagram account. The, the only people I follow are people I actively have spoken to or do speak to, like individual like JPG coaching, but like I speak to him occasionally, things like that. So we'll, we'll talk and therefore I'll invest in him because I'm like, you're, you're a nice guy. But when it comes to like who to follow, who not to follow, is I always go down to how do they make you feel? When you view their content, how does their content make, make you feel? If I, if I view someone's physique, and this is also what I used to do, is engage a lot of social comparison where I'd view like Jeff's size physique and I'd be like, wow, I I wish I looked like him. And as soon as I found myself saying, I wish I looked a certain way, I wish I didn't look how I look now and I wish I looked like somebody else, I kind of, after a few years, I was like, that's actually quite a problematic approach. That's not healthy. That's not not right to do, to wish I weren't me. And then I started to kind of feel like, actually, you know what, seeing these amazing physiques every day, whenever I went on Instagram, amazing physique that looked better than me, better than me, better than me, I found myself becoming increasingly more insecure and mm-hmm. i was like you know what i should probably unfollow everyone who makes me feel that way not it's no mm-hmm. fault of their own it's absolutely no fault of their own it's, it's my own my own insecurities i said well i i know i can't consume this content in a healthy manner without feeling bad about myself again not their fault at all so i was there, like i've been all of those but then i consume content of people like you know what i learned something from you so i'm gonna consume it so when JPG posts something, he's got an incredible physique, but then he'll post something. I'm like, you know what? That taught me something I wasn't aware of. I'll follow mm. that. Individuals like that is just, as soon as I can start kind of taking something from it and feeling mm. not necessarily better about myself from it, but better about the industry or better about my knowledge, I can learn mm. something from it. It's, it's enhancing my life to an extent. I'm like, that's worth investing in. But if for whatever reason, be that my own insecurities or something they're doing that I don't agree with, it's hindering my life, then I'll probably bin them off. And that's kind of what I typically say to people, and I say this a lot in my videos, is if whatever content you're consuming is not enhancing your life and is potentially therefore hindering your life, it's not worth consuming. Whether you feel loyalty to them or not, if it's taking something away from you and not adding to you, then it's probably not worth an investment. Like if I say invest in a business, but it's just going to take money from you, you're not going to get any money back, you probably say that's a shit investment. The same thing with that. If you invest in a business, but you're going to get money in return, it's probably quite a good one. Same thing with the uh, internet content. If you get something from it, fantastic. If you don't, not worth the investment. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah, I, I'm very, very similar to you, Harold, in the sense that I, over the last few years, have been very cutthroat with with the follow the people that I do follow, and there's yeah. and there's almost no one on there that because because I guess my personality type uh, is someone who will probably do a lot of comparison more than maybe other personality types. Mm. Um, and so I'm very aware of that and very aware of how social media can be quite a negative place for me um, in terms of my mental health. Like I can be having a phenomenal day, jump on social media, 
see a post about somebody doing something that I wish I was doing. Um, and then suddenly my whole outlook on my entire life is, is just shit, you know, and in reality, I could just take a moment and instead go to my gratitude app and do my five minute yeah. gratitude journal. And suddenly my outlook on life will be completely reversed and I'll be yeah. absolutely content with the small amount that I do have and the, the, the life that I do live. Um, so I, I guess a question for you, maybe from a psychology perspective, Harold, if you've got any thoughts on this, like, what do you think, or do you think comparison is healthy and do you think it is useful or, or do you think it's just, um, do you think it's something that we can, I guess, innately avoid or is it something that's just part of our biology as a human? I think the shit answer is uh, it depends in the sense that I think comparison can be healthy in the sense that if comparison can provide something like motivation to help inspire you or to kind of drive you, then I think that could be really good because I know a lot of people who do get a lot of motivation and drive from comparison. Fine, mm. if that's what drives you, you're respected. But then flip it around, if it's something that takes away from you, makes you feel insecure, makes you feel a certain way, that's probably something you want to try and avoid as best as possible. But I also fully do acknowledge that's so much easier said than done because human nature is essentially to seek the approval of our peers and to seek the approval of everyone around us. And that often involves a lot of comparison. Or maybe mm. human nature is to imply that we can look for a better, a better something to aspire to, look for something else. And immediately, I think, in that sense, comparison is part of us, but doesn't need to consume us. And I feel like if you go back to, like I said, Arnie's era back in the 60s, they probably did compare. There's a lot of social comparison, but that comparison was people they actually saw in person. The comparison mm. was against people who who weren't the genetic 1% that only exist on the online world. The comparison was to their friends, to their peers, people on those lines. But then social media comes out, and the pool of comparison has gone from this to the world. Yeah, yeah. I can no, I'm no longer comparing myself to people I see at my gym. I'm now comparing myself to people I can mm. see at any gym in the entire world. And immediately, you, like you said earlier, you're going to get exposed to that 1%. So when you're exposed to the best of the best, you're now comparing yourself to something that's just beyond unrealistic. And mm. at that point, I feel like if you only see what's beyond <clears throat> comprehension, then your expectation gets distorted. Mm. So even small things, like you go up to an average person in the gym and you say, I, I bench 100 kilos. And most people are like, bloody, that's a lot of weight. Wow, that's, yeah. that's incredible. But yeah. due to comparison seeing the world record holders in powerlifting, someone says, I bench over 200 kilos. I'm saying like, oh, that's just, that's cool. Do you mean, like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. in, in the IPF standard, I'll say, well, actually, that's probably not a very good bench press. Do you mean? Yeah, like, totally, in, yeah. In the world, I have i don't think I've ever seen someone bench 200 kilos in my, like, physically in person outside yeah. of com a competitive stand. But like I said, because you're compared or exposed to the best of the best, immediately your, your perception is distorted. I think that can then further distort comparisons. Because mm. like I said earlier, you're no longer comparing yourself to almost realistic people. You're now yeah. comparing yourself to the just genetic elites. And that, I think that can maybe enhance how unhealthy it could be. But again, if you find that motivation, motivating, then sure. And you can engage that in a healthy manner where it doesn't take something away from you, then you know, I'd go for it. But I, I do feel like human nature is to look for better options and look for better things through comparison and also like i said earlier about seek approval which ultimately comes to your own posting and maybe further comparison in that sense mm. yeah i love it i think i think there's just so much value in the idea of the the constant um 
what's the what's the term like you versus you mentality right yeah. like like I'm only trying to better myself because you're exactly right you can relate you can go to any fitness endeavor sport and event whatever and you can pair yourself to the elites and for myself personally that's a fast way to be demotivated <laughs> because even two weekends ago um we've been doing a little bit of running and i did a half marathon and oh, well, i ran my best time but at the oh, same well, time yeah it's cool it's cool and and we've been doing a little bit of running over the last year or two we did a, did a marathon earlier in the year um but at the same time, you're I'm running this this half marathon, and I see the front runners coming back the other way. You know the leaders, yeah. And these yeah. guys are just like flying, man. And you just look at these guys, and you're like, how are they running at that pace? And yeah. you know, and so if, as soon as in that situation, if I compare myself to those elite guys, or in the gym, as you're saying, if I go to uh, a gym, like for example, when I was in the states, I went to a world world gym in san diego i believe it was yeah. and just just join almost dudes everywhere everywhere you know and if you go on there and you start comparing yourself to them it's going to be a, a fast way to demotivate yourself and i think it just comes back to realistic expectations um you know not everybody has won the genetic lottery that does not mean you can't uh work on what you've got and progress with what you have but it just means you have to be a little bit more realistic. And the number of people have come to me in the gym and be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm like, I want to look like this guy or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, that's really cool to have those aspirations. But I feel like um, I just, I just feel like it's a, a misguided approach to look at a social media page and go, oh, I want to look like this person. You are not that person. You're shaped completely differently. Your genetics are completely different. How about we look at what you have right now and we try to progress that instead, you know? Yeah. Um, and I get that that probably isn't as motivating for a lot of people that want to look at that image and go, I'm aspiring to be that. Um, but I think, you know, I just think there's there's so much value in the you versus you mentality. We, we have a very, well, we had, I just sold my gym, as I mentioned to you, Harold, but we had a very small uh, well, we still do is under a new owner. We have a very small community gym, as you're mentioning it, like the old, um, the old pumping iron gym. It's, it's very much that community focus, people having fun, people training together. It's a very like small, tight knit community. But because of that, because of who I am and, and, and me being the owner, I attract a certain type of people to that gym and we don't attract the genetic elite or the, the huge dudes wanting to do bodybuilding or the huge power lifters or whatever. We attract, generally people relatively similar to me, like your average person wanting to improve themselves. And so as you're saying, if you're benching a hundred kilos in my gym, you're a very strong human being. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it is kind of a case of like, I just having, just having realistic expectations, but then maybe even um, controlling or what should I say, designing your environment both online and in person based on like, you know, what gym you go to and then who you're following online. Design that environment a little bit better to maybe set yourself up for, um, you know, a, a, a mental space where you aren't constantly comparing to these people that are so far from from you as where you are right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think... Because it kind of goes back to obviously the the benefit of comparison to an extent is obviously upward and downward social comparison upward in which you're kind of comparing yourself to somebody you deem to be better than you or perceived to be better, which is obviously going to make you feel pretty bad or downward, which sounds pretty bad, but you compare yourself to somebody you perceive to be less than you, smaller than you, weaker than you, which is going to make you feel maybe a bit better. 
But I think when you go to an individual, like a community gym, like you're kind of speaking about, and it's not about who's the biggest, who's the strongest. Because I'm sure a lot of your members probably go to that gym because it's part of their social life. Mm. Like they probably, instead of going out on the piss every day, which again, if you want to do that, I respect it. You do you. But they probably go there because they aren't. I'm going to go to the gym because I, I guarantee if I walk in that gym, I'm going to see somebody I know and I'm going to chat with them and have a great time. Yeah. And you end up just going, and you probably know everyone by name and they probably mm-hmm. know you by name and everyone else knows everyone. They probably do community things together. They probably, it's all a lot of like almost encouragement. No one's caring about who's bigger than who, who's stronger than who. So ultimately you argue in that gym, there's probably minimal comparison occurring, or maybe if it is, it's very subconscious, but yeah. people are probably a lot happier than they might be if they go to a commercial gym. <clears throat> Yeah, so I think the things like that are just fantastic. I, I love the. I've always liked the idea of like independent gyms and community driven gyms because essentially, it, like you said, it, it you attract the people you want to attract, and it always comes from the owner or that or just the community vibe. And I think if someone doesn't align with that community, they're going to quickly get worked out. Hmm. But it kind of goes back to what you mentioned earlier. That the sad reality is, and this is becoming more and more apparent. We actually did a podcast on this recently. Is that because? When obviously when you and I probably grew up, social media wasn't a huge thing. Do you mean I I I kind of didn't really get into Instagram properly until I was twenty two, something along those lines. Yeah, kids these days get into Instagram at thirteen years old, fourteen years old, and I think when you're immediately compared to the best of the best or exposed to the best of the best so early, without really developing that kind of psychological maturity to take a step back and be like, actually, that's not realistic, or actually, you know what, they look fantastic but they are that 1% and you're not able to potentially say, you know what, they look fantastic, but you're not, I look fantastic too, but I, I just look a different fantastic. Yeah. When you aren't able to kind of identify that, you get thrown down a rabbit hole of when, especially I think probably more prominent in, in, in guys at 16, 17 years old, they turn around saying, I want to be a competitive bodybuilder. You say, fantastic. You know, if that's what you want to achieve, go for it. I'm going to take drugs. It's like, you're, you're 17. I'm not going to name anyone because I don't want to disrespect. But I had a I had a 17-year-old come up to me literally the other day. We messaged me a few weeks ago who goes to my gym. said, Harry, can I ask your opinion on something? I said, yeah, of course. What's going on? I'd never spoken to him before, but he obviously knew who I was through the podcast. And uh, he says, I'm thinking about going on anabolics. I said, how old are you? He said, I'm 17 years old. And I said, I mean, no disrespect by this. But I said, for the majority of people, at 17 years old, if you want to go on anabolics, it's not because you're hardworking. It's not because you're dedicated, not because you think you're going to be the best. It's because you're lazy and you're impatient. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but it's the reality that that age, 100%. I think I've always been a believer of running anabolics. You do you. I, I, it's completely like the, the natural safety thing is something I will never discuss online because it's not, I actively hide my physique from my YouTube channel because I don't want people to look at me and be like, I'm going to sub to you because you look a certain way. That's the last yeah. thing I ever want. I also don't want people ever looking and saying, you know what? I'm not going to sub to you because you look a certain way. I've actually had messages saying, because obviously I show a bit more on my Instagram, I some, a few, quite a few messages saying, if I knew what you looked like, I wouldn't watch your content. And wow. I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. So I'd rather not show what I look like. Yeah. And therefore, whether I'm natural or not, is completely irrelevant because my physique is irrelevant. Yeah. But when he comes up to me and says, I'm going to do it, I think when you go down that route, I... I Hard work and dedication always has to go up a level because your ceiling is raised. But at mm. 17 years old, yeah, it, it makes me feel sad because you know it's largely coming from the fact that he's been looking at these bodybuilders online from such a young age and he's not been exposed to anything else. And I kind of present the idea of 
it not sound rude, but I said you don't you don't you haven't earned this yet. If you want to go down mm. that route, you have to earn it. Like you have to develop a natural base before yep. you even consider going that down that route. Because I said obviously he's like I want to be a competitive bodybuilder. I said name me a a top level junior bodybuilder. He's like I can't name you any. I said name me a top level like open. He goes oh Ronnie Coleman or this. I said because not many people <laughs> outside you will care about the juniors. You care about the big boys. Yeah, and also me the big boys are big because they probably built a good base first before going down that route. Now I kind yeah. of said to him, I was like, 17 years old, you're you're you feel like you're mature enough to make a decision that could potentially take years off your life. How's it going to impact your friends? How's it going to impact your family? I said it's all it could potentially render you infertile. So one day you're going to get a girlfriend, and you're going to fall in love with her. She's going to love you more than anyone in the world. And you're going to want to, you're going to marry her. You want to want to be with her forever. And then you're going to get presented with the idea of she wants to start a family with you. And you have to turn around and look her in the eye and say, at the age of 17, I made a decision, which means that I can't naturally have kids with you anymore. I'm infertile. So how's that going to, how's, how's it going to impact your relationship? I said, at 17 years old, you're willing to make that decision. Mm. And he essentially turned around and said to me, he goes, I really appreciate your input. That's really opened my eyes a lot, but I'm going to do it anyway. I was like, oh my God. I was like, you know what? I said, if, if you're, I said, if you're, I think you're an idiot. No disrespect. I think you're an idiot. But if you are going to do it anyway, let talk to people. Just talk to people yeah. that you trust. At least if you do it in the safest possible way, regardless of whether I think it's right or not, stay off the bodybuilding forums. But, that, but that's all he knows from this comparison of social media. Yeah. He's only seen these physiques that are the 1%. He's only seen these forums that tell you this is and this. It's like, well, he doesn't know how to identify what's good information, what's bad information. And he tells me what drugs he's going to run and how much. I said, I, I, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a yeah. lot. I, like, even he speaks yeah. about going on testosterone. I said, well, Josh Bridgman, who's an IFBB pro, takes less testosterone than that, and he's an IFBB mm. pro. I said, mm. you want to take more than him at 17 years old? It, it blows my mind. Yeah. But I feel almost maybe I'm desensitized to it because I was older when I got into that industry. So yeah. I, I developed a bit of psychological maturity. It's just scary. Totally. It, it, it genuinely scares me, and I found it quite upsetting because it's like, yeah. what a hard world these kids are growing up in, and these teenagers growing up in, where I'd spend my life watching Disney Channel at sixteen years old, and I was loving life. My comparison <laughs> was with bloody Zoe One Hundred and One and Lizzie McGuire. I mean, the best <laughs> like Hannah Montana. It's love it, and then now their comparison is TikTok, is YouTube, yeah. is Instagram, yeah. and it's made me kind of feel for them in the sense that they. I feel like almost contribute. This could probably contribute to a lot of mental health problems that are happening in younger individuals. Yeah, that they are just thrown into this deep end where before they fully matured, they're just being exposed to so many things that maybe they shouldn't be exposed to, or maybe they need to learn more about. Yeah, when I've never had those stresses, and I'm sure you probably didn't have as many of those stresses either. Well, I mean, if I think about me as a 17 year old, and then me as a now almost 33 year old the the difference in how much i've evolved in that time is just you know it's a 180 like i'm a completely different person so if i had made some huge decision at 17 around you know going on on to anabolics i mean it's it's just it's such an immature time to make such a, a large decision i mean and i have i have no um Look, if people are taking performance enhancing drugs, I'm like, you know, cool. That's totally fine. Like, do your thing. Like, I'm totally happy with that. But at the same time, I think as you alluded to, it's about education. Like, there is guys out there now who are very smart and methodical and are trying to help people do this in the safest way possible instead of like the 17-year-old taking way more gear than is appropriate for 
um, where he's at currently. And even guys like, I mean, I don't follow like Josh Bridgman and those guys anymore, but when I used to you know check out what they were doing, they built a solid natural base yeah. for years and years and competed yeah. naturally yeah. and and also had you know decent genetics and, and built great physiques and then decided, hey, look, now it's time for me to take that next step. But even then, when they're taking that next step into taking anabolics, it's it's still done in a structured and methodical way that's um, at least researched and you know you're you're doing the least possible to make you know consistent gains and, and put you in that yeah, in that sort of ball absolutely i think it's kind of goes on what you said there it's doing the least possible it's again they're getting mm. the most out of the least i mm. think a lot impatience tells you that's a bad idea a lot yeah. of young guys don't have that patience and it's like you said with josh is he built he competed many seasons as a natural he was open about when he went on gear he gets his blood done he does all the things and when i said this to, this to that guy he goes wow I, I couldn't go over how cheap it is i said well yeah testosterone is extremely cheap but i said have you factored in the other things you need to consider he goes oh what do you mean i said are you are you can get your blood done he goes what do you mean by that i said well immediately it's a red flag i said you have to check your levels <laughs> you're going on with this idea. you don't know where you are you could mm. have some underlying conditions. Your cholesterol might be an absolute mockery already, and that's going to make it worse. So you mm. have to understand, it's like, how is your body internally? He goes, oh, how do I do that? I was like, oh, well, okay, this is not going well. And then oh he's I was like, what about like, health support supplements? Things like that that are probably quite important. Obviously, the bodybuilding forums don't, don't tell you any of this. Mm. And it's just such a sad reality. That's why I always kind of said is like, I kind of presented him the idea is a lot of like natural guys online who claim natural. A lot of them, unfortunately, especially since the big blob of the fake natty era, when mm. kind of around the, the Chris Jones era, when that side of YouTube, that's when the fake natty era really came around. Um, a lot of guys sadly lie about it. And I was always kind of big believers. Like, no, I've nothing against anyone who would ever take anything, but either don't say anything about it at all. And like, just don't, say you're natural if you're not just say you don't talk about it or just ignore it entirely or be honest because a lot of times mm. people don't want to be honest about it and say like by the way i'm taking drugs because sadly there is an element of judgment people will turn around and say oh, i don't like you anymore because you're doing this or and some countries it's a legality issue as well or a sponsor totally. issue. some sponsors won't work with you if you admit to certain things and that's when money comes into it as well something you'll prevent yourself from making a living but if you yep. just say you know, don't talk about it or it's irrelevant or yes i am then it i think it opens up the conversation a little more, which I think almost arguably can be a hindrance. It's that so like 10 years ago when Matt Ogus was really on the scene, because I learned so much from Matt Ogus. He's the one who introduced yeah. me to flexible dieting. Yeah. And I never knew that concept before. And when he did, I was, mine was blown because oh. I thought my life was chicken, broccoli and rice six times a day. Then yeah. he told me I could eat food. I enjoy. I said, he must be lying. I think he's lying. <laughs> Surely not. Why would he? Why would he say that to me? Then I realized you could. I was like, well, honestly, uh, baffled me. And yeah. then back then, because drugs are so taboo, then we spoke about it. And it's fantastic that more and more pe people, people speak about it now. Love to see it. But now because it's almost so spoken about, which is great, it's desensitized a lot of people to it. So when yeah, you make right. a joke about, see all these kids making jokes about taking trend and everything, you're like, do you know how harmful things that trend are? That That's that's not nice. That's, that's, some, that's some sketchy stuff. That's... Yeah proven to be neurotoxic so it it does negatively impact brain chemistry and wow. it's like oh but but everyone takes it oh it's fun it's like it's your brain it's very important yeah. part of your body <laughs> yeah. you need to you need to like yeah. think about that and it's yeah. almost desensitized people to it so when you talk about and voice everyone's like oh that's normal now it's like a great that's great that's in conversation but don't don't neglect its importance and don't neglect the severity of what you're what the decision right. you're kind of making but when yeah. you are exposed to the the one percent it's like well 
yeah, it sounds it sounds bad, but at some extent, I feel like you know, if I were in his, if I was seventeen in his shoes, would I, maybe I would have done the same thing. Yeah, like 100%. maybe I would have fallen victim to the same trap because I fell victim to plenty of fitness traps anyway in the industry. Maybe that would have just yeah. been another one of the traps I fell victim to. I, I just don't know. Yeah. I'm removed from it. Well, it's almost like you know when I got into training at you know nineteen, twenty, whatever, and I had zero idea about anything and the thought of buying some protein powder was like, Oh my God, it's, it's all going to go, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to blow up now because I'm doing yeah, the big stuff. Right. I'm going to buy some protein yeah, powder. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like, well, if, if, uh, you know, if anabolics was as talked about as it is now and as kind of, as you said, maybe like, uh, uh almost like desensitized, you know, maybe if, maybe at that point I would have, even gone that step further because I just had, you know, no knowledge, but maybe if it was normalized, it's like, it's like normalized to a point where it's, you're forgetting about the, the, uh, importance or like you said, the severity of this decision as well. Um, it's just such a tricky one, man, because it's like, I guess it's very hard to, to take a 30 year old mature brain and try and impart that into a 17-year-old immature uh, brain and go, there is actually a life past, you know, 21. Like, you have to think about what's going to happen. And and especially for me, like, the the thought of, like, again, whoever, people want to take anabolics, that's fine, that's fantastic, whatever they want to do with their lives. And they can do it in a decently safe way and they can get great results. And if they want to obviously compete at the top level and, in various sports, I mean, even I don't know if you watched any of the the recent CrossFit games and things like that. Yeah, yeah. The, the talk recently about um, you know CrossFit competitors at the highest level taking anabolics, um, because of the reality is a lot of these sports to be at the at the top tier, you do have to be um, enhancing yourself, and that's just the reality of professional sports and you know in the modern era. Um, mm. But uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh yes, but if you know if you want to do that, fantastic. But at the same time, for me. I'm not a competitive uh, athlete. I'm just doing training because it enhances my life. It makes me feel good. I like the way I look, all of that stuff. But I also have a very uh, long-term mindset in the sense that I have a life after 45. Like when my body stops progressing in terms of building muscle, building strength, there will be a point where there's diminishing returns. And I still have a very long life after that point if I've done things well and I have you know, longevity on my side. Um, if I have, you know, if I have a very short mindset of going, or oh, I just want to build the most amount of muscle right now so that I can look great at festivals and on the beach and whatever, yeah, then yeah. yeah, taking steroids is going to be the best approach. But the reality is at some point in your life, that is all not going to matter. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have a long life where your physique uh, is, is irrelevant, but you just want to, to ensure that you're healthy enough to be able to enjoy your days on this earth with your family, with your friends all of that good stuff. So it's kind of trying to put in this long-term mindset into a kid who doesn't give a shit. They just care about, am I going to get jacked enough to, because you're in the UK, go to Ibiza this summer and, <laughs> and, and get my shirt off and, and you know, and that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a tricky one, man. And I don't really know the the approach there, but I guess you did what you could in that situation and, and trying to impart some wisdom. <laughs> well, I think you always got to try what you can. I think ultimately, like, it's what you said about to be at a high level with anything, you probably do need to go down that route. But I could take every drug in the world, every drug under the sun. I'll still never be a top level CrossFit Games competitor. 
I yeah. I will never win because and I I'm I hold my hands up. I will never beat Usain Bolt in a race. Like I just I just physically I could not. Genetically, the hard work he puts in, like so many things he does, I just don't. Yeah. I'm not capable of doing. So I think it's obviously drugs tell one part of the story. But to kids, when it's not about I want to get as close to Usain Bolt as possible, I want to get as close to Rich Froney as possible, something along those lines. It's more like you said about I want to get topless than I beat this. I will get topless on Ibiza anyway. You don't need anabolics in there. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I think regardless of how you look, if you want to take your top off, you know, take, take the bloody top off. It goes back to what you said yeah. about the you versus you mentality. Like, the only person who really cares about how you look is no one else around you. It's literally you. How many times have you yeah. been at a beach and you just start there assessing different physiques? Probably right. not that often. Yeah. So you're, probably, you're probably there like, I want, hopefully I look okay myself. That's right. Like, I think you're probably more focused on you than anyone else. 100%. But it is tricky. It is tricky. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting. I, I guess almost bringing it back to social media, and as you just mentioned, if if you know, no matter what you did, you wouldn't be able to be Usain Bolt, or you wouldn't be able to be Rich Froney, you know. And it's the it's the same for a lot of people. But I, if we bring it back to social media, like say you look at one of these really um, famous Instagram girls who is posting a, a booty workout on Instagram, right? And they have this incredible, incredible glute development, um. And oftentimes, I feel like a, a decent amount of that is genetic based. Of course, you can work really hard um, and progress a, a lot in your physique. But I think some of these huge names, a lot of it, whether you you could do the exact same work as them, eat exactly the same as them, you know, sleep the same as them, all that good stuff, and you still won't get the same results as them because there are genetic differences there. Um, and then you get into the other the other side of a lot of these Instagram workouts and and seeing what they are doing and then also knowing because we've got a little bit more of a critical eye for like what's good programming knowing that okay well what they're doing on that in that post right there is not actually what's got gotten them the results they already have yeah you know they're just posting this because it's it's fancy and it's going to get some likes um and one of the one of the original videos i watched of yours Howard, was around instagram booty workouts um i'd love you to actually touch on that and you know and almost touch on like how much of the stuff that we see online in regards to like, cause you know, growing glutes is a big thing at the moment um, is actually effective training. Like a lot of these um, <laughs> crazy exercises you start seeing, I don't really see a lot of it cause I don't follow it, but I know you do. Um, you probably see some wild, some wild stuff out there. Yeah. I, I think fortunately during the, like the YouTube journey, I kind of got to a point where I was really stuck. I didn't know what to post. I just didn't follow it anymore. But then I okay. started noticing one thing I started talk about it and then people started sending it to me and telling me what to start following uh, so it's almost like, like 99% of my content is not my own ideas it's what people have sent to me and have asked me to look at it's fantastic which I really appreciate but as you said it's kind of exposed me to a lot of things it's almost I wish not I wish I didn't see but I would have never <laughs> seen otherwise and it I think what you said there has a lot of truth is genetics do play a massive role and probably a much bigger role than people think. I'm not ever discrediting anyone's hard work. I'm sure a lot of these athletes and these Instagram girls or whatever may be train hard. 100%. But the the sad reality is is it goes back to what I said at the beginning about maybe they're not telling the truth. Mm. And what I mean by that is they can say they do these workouts but do actually know they did those workouts. Or did they actually train maybe more effectively, but they know that sadly effective training is largely quite boring. It's very repetitive. 
Like I do, I've done the same workouts for months now. And imagine I post that every week. By the way, still doing the same dumbbell press. Nothing's <laughs> changed. I've done an extra rep this week. You, you probably don't care. I care because I was like, "Wow, I've made progress. I love that." But you really don't care. But if I say, "Well, I did this dumbbell press on a Bosu ball," and suddenly, you're like, oh, that's interesting. That's new. Does it work more? And I think that's where it always comes down to. Is we say about those fancy movements, it's, it's more Instagrammable. And when social media is your job and what you're posting actually really does matter in the sense that you gets you money, it gets you engagement, which is relevant to you. You almost, you you can't blame them for posting it, but what you can blame them for is lying about it by saying, I got these glutes doing 10 minutes of this every day. It's like, just be honest. Just say, Mm. you know, I built my glutes doing these movements, but if you want to, you can do these movements. Granted, they're not as effective, but you know, maybe they're more fun. And I think arguably, if you enjoy a movement, despite whether I say it's nonsense or not, if you genuinely enjoy it, then I say, you know, go for it. But then you also Mm. have to acknowledge that, say, this is not going to be as effective as this. I probably won't get to my goals as quickly as if I did this. But, you know, I just want a bit of fun today. Then you know, go for it. But I think a lot of the um, a lot of the the movements you see online, it almost sounds. It almost if there's more moving parts, then it's probably problematic. It says that it, if you're just doing a squat, fantastic, love a squat, great movement. But if you're doing, I've seen this so many times, especially on TikTok, it's horrendous. If you're doing a squat on two different Bosu balls. Oh, and sure. immediately I'm like, that's, that's a lot of moving parts have occurred here. Yeah. What, then you argue, it's like, how is that more effective? It's like, what, what about that makes it more effective? It's like, oh, it's stability. It's like, well, to build muscle, you want to be as stable as possible. You're not trying to take stability away. So you've now argued the point there, but it looks really good and it looks really cool. Mm. It looks very Instagramable. It's probably going to get loads of likes, but it, it is a bit of a shame is that, when people do lie about how they achieve their results mm. and then do almost sell their soul to the devil in the sense where they will lie to push these silly programs and these silly movements that sell a dream, but haven't disclosed that, you know, genetically had a really good shape anyway. And mm. I did, I worked I resistance training for three years before going to these workouts. And also in some cases, maybe I've had, enhancements maybe i've had a brazilian butt lift or something which is is a big one that does float around the industry where people send to me saying do you think this per- this person's had surgery wow. so, well who, who am i to say they have or haven't you can just right. there are suspicions of like lack of contractile tissue you would be like well yeah. that might suggest otherwise but again who who am i it's just innocent until proven guilty but the lack of almost honesty about things no wonder so many people feel bad about their results and feel bad about who they are and their progress. Because it's exactly the same as when I was getting into the industry where I believed uh, Flex Magazine, if I wanted to put an inch on my arms in three weeks, I had to train them three times a week. Then I did that. And I was like, no, my arms haven't grown. It's crazy. What's changed? <laughs> then you realize that. And then it almost makes you believe that you're the problem. Because yeah. the magazine guaranteed me I'll put an inch on my arms. And I did exactly as I said. I followed yeah. the workout to the T. I did everything. And my <laughs> arms did not grow a millimeter. And I was like... I, I'm at fault. Like, is I'm I've got bad genetics. I'm lazy. I'm not dedicated enough. I could have done more, and I feel really bad about myself. Then a lot of these women who follow these workouts come away from it, and they say, I, I get so many messages where people say, I follow this person's workouts where they were doing this. I look at the workouts, and I'm like, ooh, and I'm like, and my results just aren't showing. And I feel like maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe my genetics are really bad. How do I know if I've got good genetics? And you turn around and say, I don't think your genetics are the problem. 
I, I think, to be honest, I think it's just a really ineffective workout. Mm. I feel like you'll probably be better suited maybe doing X, Y, and Z instead of ABC. And then maybe do that for a few months and understand that these results aren't going to come in weeks. They're going to come in months and years. And then come back to me and say, you know what, actually, that was, that was better. But again, that, that boring doesn't sell. And that, that's yeah. very sad, but it's true. But So it, it's hard. So yeah, I think I do understand it. But I just wish there was just a bit more transparency. Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's there's two things I want to mention. One is that you actually brought up a really cool comparison between, like, I was very much like you when I started training. I read all the the flex magazines, the muscle and fitness yeah, magazines. I, I remember being on deployment in Egypt with the army, and I'd go to our, oh, wow. our on our camp. We had a library on our camp. And they'd have all these like flex magazines and I'd go down there on my days off and I'll just like pour over this content. Yeah. Uh, because then I didn't, I didn't have access to like all the, the evidence-based content I have now. It's just like, well, what's on this magazine is great. And this is true. And this is how you train. And, but it's the similarity between you doing that workout for six weeks. And I remember doing a very similar one of like, this will put an inch on your arms or whatever in six weeks. And you do this high volume arm workout and you see this in this magazine, the comparison of that. And then like this fancy new glute workout on TikTok is almost like the same because it's just two marketing companies going what's flash and new. And that's going to tap into the, the consumer's desire for instant gratification. Like, get an inch on your arms in, in six weeks. Awesome. Every dude is going to be like, let's do this program. And then you get the the same thing with the the booty girl workout on TikTok saying like, do these exercises and you know, you'll get glutes like mine. It's, it's a very similar, very similar tactic. Um, I just wanted to bring that up. And then secondly, um, what do you think it is about, and we can kind of finish on this. What do you think it is about, you mentioned that, you know, generally the best effective workouts are those boring kind of workouts that are kind of the same um, and you do them for long periods of time. Um, and I was actually having this discussion with a client this morning. He's been working with me for probably a year and a half now, um, just purely on muscle gain. And we've just Not been doing cycles and cycles and cycles of muscle gain, muscle gain, muscle gain. And at the end of the day, it can be quite boring training, but you just have to be so consistent with it over months and years. And I, and I was saying, yeah. look, it is, it is hard work. It is eating a lot of food. Um, it is being consistent with your training, but it's also just doing all those three things for a very, very long period of time. So what do you what do you think it is, Harold, that is, uh, I guess, the benefit of doing these more boring workouts that aren't these like flashily, flashy glute exercises on a BOSU ball or with a band around your head or whatever? I think ultimately it comes down to the fact, let's say like your primary goal is like hypertrophy, so the, the development of muscle. I think to one of the big things people overlook is just movement efficiency. And if you want to progressively overload, you want to get better at like, you want to lift more. And one way of lifting more is actually to get better at the movement by doing the movement more and obviously doing the movement well. And if I can dumbbell press consistently every week, let's say twice a week, or once a week, every week for months, I guarantee I'm going to progressively overload that dumbbell press because I'm going to get better with the movement pattern. I'm going to get stronger in that movement. And if I'm stronger than progressively overloading, then I'm probably going to develop some muscle. But it's almost tedious knowing that going into the gym every Monday, I'm going to do the same exercises. I'm going to do the same or similar number of sets. Volume may change throughout the cycle, 
But all, all I'm trying to achieve from that workout is that I'd be so happy if I got one extra rep. I'd be so happy if I did two, two kilos extra on the dumbbells, just something like that. And it is dull. It is tedious. But the, the key thing, is if your goal requires that, it's obviously you have to tolerate it. You can change your workout every week and do these fancy workouts. But if biomechanically they're not really effective for your goals, it's immediately a hindrance. And also, if, if you can't get better at what you're doing, how do you know if you're progressively overloading? How do you know if you're getting better? Well, you don't because I've done a different movement every week for the last three months. Immediately, it's like, well, I don't know if my, my dumbbell press has got better. I don't know if my squat has got better because I haven't squatted again for three months. It's just chippy away at it over and over again. But as you kind of said, it, it is tedious, but it needs must. needs must. I, I don't think it needs to be that way. If ultimately your goal is to optimize building muscle, then you probably want to do some boring stuff for a very long time. And just to hammer it, just get really good at it. Be really specific. I guess into the goes into the kind of art of specificity. Mm. But if if you turn around and say, you know, what, I want to get a bit more muscle, but ultimately I just really want to have fun with my training, and my my pure goal is just enjoyment. Then I say, you know, what, do whatever you want to do. If to me, I find doing the same workouts every week quite fun. I, and you're probably the same. It's tedious, but it's also fun because I not only because. The movements are just part of it. It's I just love being in the gym. I love mm. being in the environment. I love seeing my friends. I love just knowing that I, I it sounds really stupid, but I love knowing that the the gym and this kind of element of fitness is one of the few aspects of my life I have direct control over. Mm. Nobody else can can change my goals, no one else can change my progress. I'm the only person that can control what I do and what I achieve. You you can't stop me from achieving anything. My my family can't do anything. It's none of that. Is that if I go to the gym, I work hard. I, I eat well. I eat what I need to do. And I tick all those boxes. I will make progress. If I'm not making progress, I can change that by doing something better or different. Whereas like you go into the work environment, I I could work so hard at a nine to five. I could be work more than anyone else. I'm I'm not guaranteed a promotion. I'm not guaranteed recognition. I I I can't shoot. I can I can try. And have an input, but I can't directly control progress. Whereas in the gym, you you just can. And I think just being able to go into the gym, despite knowing that I'm going to do the same thing over and over again, knowing that I'm doing this because in doing so, I'm going to make more progress or hopefully make more progress, gives me that element of control that I really like. Mm. And ultimately, if you have a goal of I want to get from A to B, and that B is really important to me, like, getting there as effectively as efficiently as optimally as possible is is such an importance to me if if you don't have if you have a b but you'll get there at your own pace or you don't i want to get there but i just want to have the most fun doing it then you're all the power to you you go down that route but for for me personally it's probably very similar for you is you want to get to your b and you want to get there in the best possible means for you which is probably quite a boring means at that yeah, I love it, man. It's probably it's probably a really good place to finish. I think it was a really good take home for, for the listeners right there. Um, but I did want to say, uh, you know, give you give the floor just to say, hey, like, what are you working on? Do you want to plug your stuff? Um, let the listeners know what the YouTube is and what that's all about. Um, of course, what's going on? Uh, Twenty twenty two is a bit of a late yeah. start to the year for me. Yeah, uh, okay. But I'm actually. I'm, I'm finally kind of making the decision to push TFNL a bit further. Obviously, TFNL being Team Fnl in the YouTube channel, and also obviously the Instagram and stuff. But YouTube's like the dominant. Actually, platform. yeah. What's the what's the um, backstory with the with the name there, man? So Team so, so it all came back. In this, all kind of stems from like journey in the industry. Is that I started it with two of my friends, 
years ago, back in 2016. And ultimately, it kind of largely stemmed from the idea of, in 2016, there was not a lot of body acceptance. I don't know if you you kind of... Because obviously you were into the Chris Jones and Matt Ogus. It was all summer shredding with Guzman. Yeah. Everything was about yeah. being lean. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I kind of got there because I was kind of getting into powerlifting at this point. I was like, you know what? I don't want to be. I don't want to be lean all the time. I don't want to be shredded year round because I don't think it's sustainable. And I don't think that would make me very happy. So we kind of made like a bit of a running joke about it, saying, "Not everyone's always trying to be lean. We're going to be forever lean because yeah. we're powerlifting, and powerlifters typically have higher body fat in lots of cases." And we're like, you know, I don't want to conform to the industry standards of having to look a certain way to be happy. And then it kind of like further developed is that we started developing a bit more like body acceptance in ourselves, and also identifying that you know what. I think you could be happy just looking how you want to look and not having to look how the influencers tell you to look, look how the media tells you to look and look how just the, the world is telling you to look. And that's ultimately where it came from is Team Flavelline just basically stemmed from the body acceptance and just looking how you want to look for you rather than pursuing the desires of other people and those around you. So good, man. Which, that's good. But it's uh, but I'm finally starting to push it a bit further and I'm – hopefully looking to start uh coaching like online coaching because i've been a pt for uh, it was one of my jobs for nearly 10 years now wow. um so i finally branched into the realm of online coaching uh tfl clothing so merchandise so that clothing side of things is coming out hopefully in november provided that the suppliers go well and they play ball it's a bit fruity yeah. at the moment okay. um and also the hopefully in December, I'm looking to release like the TFNL growth guide, which is uh, like because I'll have to do a bit of, like a series on YouTube. Is every month or so, I'll do like a deep dive approach on how best to target certain muscles or, or an effective means of targeting certain muscles. I just did the hamstrings uh, today, actually, so Monday. Awesome. And at the end of it, when it's all finished, I want to put it down to a PDF, which is going to be hopefully very educational and also give you a a workout structure if you want to follow it you can so more hypertrophy driven but also explain why it's done a certain way so you can take that template and make your own if you want to so i want people to be able to take a lot from it hopefully awesome but yeah that sounds the great. goal is to get that around by christmas but it may take longer depending on well i've already started putting it together and it's well we in september so we'll see how long it takes me yeah 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 if anything like me these like little projects they end up kind of spiraling out of control and you know spend heaps yeah. of time on them and making them way more way more in depth than you uh, originally thought so um so good luck with that one man i appreciate and, that thank you very much yeah man and um final final question for you is or final segment is um just a guest recommendation so is there anything you're been digging right now that you want to recommend to our listeners whether it's like it could be anything from uh artist that you're loving or a podcast you're into or a book you're reading or a show you're watching what's a what's a current thing you're into that you want to recommend Oh God. I don't know, but I would I don't know. Do we do we keep it fitness related or can I talk about how much there I love stranger Any, things I've watched yeah, a couple of times? Hundred percent, man. Anything you want. Honestly. Um You know, I'll I'll give a I'll give a book recommendation, which again okay. I think has some like questionable approaches in it. Like some of the information is like with anything, someone's always gonna argue something, but it's quite mental health related. It's a book by Johan Hari called Lost Connections. And again, mental health is quite a big thing for me and my channel. And when I was going through like a big spell of suicidal thoughts and depression and was heavily medicated and was dealing with addiction at the time, that book, I think, I wouldn't say it directly helped me, but it opened my eyes to a lot of the issues within the kind of pharmaceutical industry, especially when it looks at the realm of like psychoactive drugs. And that kind of 
that book alone gave me that last nudge I needed to decide not to pursue, um, I guess, medical intervention anymore, like take any more medication for my mental health, which Mm. for me, which I know uh, medication can help a lot of people, but for me personally, coming off the medication was one of the biggest things for me and drastically improved my life because being on them had such a negative impact on my life. Obviously, like I said about the development of addiction Mm. and I I always recommend people just, it's, it's quite a short book. It's not a long one at all. But just give it, especially the first half where he speaks about just the realities of um, just like serotonin levels in the brain and stuff. Mm. Uh, I always recommend it's a really good book to to just read, not with the idea of you're going to change your life because I'm not a really big believer in this book changed my life or this is this, but just to give you a slightly different perspective and make you maybe encourage a bit of critical thinking yourself. So yeah, yeah Lost I've, Connections is a big one. Yeah, Lost Connections, is, I haven't read it yet, but I've, I've watched a bunch of Johan's stuff on, on YouTube and a couple of his podcasts, and I think it's real groundbreaking work. And, you know, he's done all the research into, into you know, depression and, and what, what leads us there and, and how to um, you know, to move away from it. And, yeah, the pharmaceutical side, really cool stuff, man. So that's a great recommendation. Um, well, hopefully it's helpful. And, yeah, and then your second re- recommendation is watching Stranger Things. <laughs> I love it, honestly. I'm such a loser when it comes to stuff like that, but I actually love it. I've seen it, I've seen it through about six times. Wow, that's epic! Oh, we just we finished the yeah we finished the the last season a, a month or so ago, and um, yeah, it was a pretty pretty big epic season. <laughs> uh, now I'm a bit just I guess frustrated. I'll wait two years for the next one. I know. Yeah, that's the problem. Really you gotta, yeah, you got to dive into like another series to keep you going. Um, never know what to watch I never know I'm useless with it I just I either don't watch anything at all or I'll binge something obsessively and then never yeah. not watch anything for months yeah 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 gotcha yeah well you just have to you just have to start Stranger Things again and you'll probably get through it another three times before the next season comes out <laughs> if it makes you feel better I'm halfway through the last season again <laughs> okay do you have do you have a favourite season seeing as you've watched them so many times uh, probably three I don't oh, yeah? I don't want to give any spoilers away because yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'm hoping people have watched it, but the, yeah. the ending with like the Billy and everything, uh-huh. it sounds really stupid, but I saw this fan made um, like tribute uh-huh. and it's one of the most emotional things I've ever seen in my life. I nearly cried and I wow. watched it. And ever, ever since watching that, it's kind of almost like give me a new appreciation for that uh, season yeah. because it's almost yeah. like his character development of how he's starts yep. off as an asshole and then becomes like something like, you know what? You you have a good heart, and I know it's obviously it's, it's made up. It's it's TV, but it, yeah. you almost connect and almost like, like attached to the characters to some extent. Hundred percent. What well, about you? What's like, your favorite season? Well, I, mean, I was just going to say that is that is the that is the um the essence of a really good show, whether it's a movie or a um, series, is character development because mm. that's really what you're watching it for. You you know. It's we know it's all fake, but at the at the end of the day, you you have some kind of like connection to these characters because of their development throughout a series or a, or a movie, um, and I can tell it as something's going to be a good show pretty quickly based on the acting and how you can see that character starts to develop over the time. So yeah, man, I think that's that's a that's a worthy take home. Um, I think I loved I love I watched season one again uh, last year just to kind of. I was going to start working my way through again, but whenever I try to watch a series, I run out of time. But season one was um, really, really good. I think it was just phenomenal. Yeah. And then I did. I do think season three is is awesome as well because I think they just leveled up the the music and the costume design in season three to like yeah. a whole nother level because it really hit that kind of 
um, late 80s theme so perfectly. Um, yeah. And I think I think it's, it's just nostalgic watching stuff like that for some reason. I guess just because of my age, like being a, a, like a late 80s, early 90s kid, it is quite nostalgic to watch stuff like that. So, yeah, man, I think it really hits home for, uh, for our generation, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think it almost makes me a bit sad that I wasn't raised in the 80s, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Well, at least you wouldn't have to deal with social media, man, so you'd be way better off. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess better off to some extent, but luckily I think probably same as you, I find social media can be a curse but can also be a blessing mm. in the sense that removing geographical limitations, like if it weren't for social media, I would have met, never met you. 100%. If it weren't for social media, neither of us would have platforms where we can hopefully help the people that choose to invest into us then flip around if it weren't for social media i probably would have a lot less insecurities to deal with mm. but maybe i would have attached them elsewhere who knows who knows so yeah. it's, it's it's almost like great power comes great responsibility sort of thing a blessing yeah. and a curse yeah this there's, there's huge pros and cons to it eh? and i always go back and forth between those and i guess that's why we have to have discussions like this where we discuss the cons and then give people certain strategies to to enhance their social media um, lives so that they they can get the pros from it, which is the connection and the community and, and the education, um, but less of the cons um, of the, you know, the insecurities, the comparisons, those type of things that come along with it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, man, I really want to thank you for coming in and discussing this with us and, and providing so much good insight, but also just giving me someone to have a yarn with and, and um, talk about the stuff, which I really enjoy. So I think I could, I could keep rambling with you for ages, man, but um, I think we'll cut this one off here and um, we'll let you go. You're probably, you're probably ready for bed at this point. <laughs> Oh, trust me, I'll be up for hours. But honestly, I just want to say okay. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be on here. I appreciate the conversation. It's always nice to kind of interact with like like minded individuals who have a very similar outlook and just life in general, not just fitness. Yeah, man. And similar boat to you, I could talk for hours. So if you ever want to do episode two together, you know I'm always keen. 100%, man. We'll, we'll settle up. Man, I really enjoyed that conversation. Hopefully, you guys uh, enjoyed listening to that one as well. I know we kind of jumped around topics a little bit and dived into a few things that I didn't really have on the cards, but that's, I guess, the beauty of a conversation that is um, a little more free-flowing, and um, when you get two sort of like-minded individuals together, it ends up being a really fun conversation and hopefully insightful for you guys as well. Uh, We actually continued chatting for like another hour after this, and honestly, I could have recorded called that one for part two but you know we might just have to save that one and and bring harry on for another round in the future i'd love to hear your thoughts on this one guys so definitely um flick me a dm i'm always open for a chat um and you know we can we can sort of discuss what your key takeaways were from this episode hopefully um some insight for you so hopefully it provides some you know some uh perspectives on social media world and you know perhaps providing some strategies to better use this platform while also honoring our mental health. If you haven't yet, check out uh, Harry's channel, Team for Never Lean, on YouTube. Um, Do yourself a favor, check it out. Some great content there, Um, really down to earth, but also uh, providing some really evidence-based sort of information and kind of debunking some of the myths that are out there on uh, these social media platforms so to wrap up as always if you enjoyed the show share it with a friend and shoot through a quick review on spotify or apple Podcasts. 
That's it from me. Catch you in the next one, plot friends.